0: Uh, In case you haven't heard, Becky and I are expecting our first grandchild (laughs) in about a month. A dear sister in the church told me recently that I say something about it every week from the pulpit. Just want to be sure nobody misses it. And I also want to be sure that you know, uh, don't expect us to be in town in about a month. We'll be in Pittsburgh with our daughter, Sheridan, her husband, and our new granddaughter. And let me just say, wild horses could not hold us back. And every grandparent in the house said, amen. Amen. Wow, you must mean that. (laughs) Obviously, one of the things that occupies the attention of a young couple when they're expecting a child is to to determine what will be the name of that child. And our kids have been poring over names and trying to decide for months. Hopefully, they're getting close because the baby will be here soon. Names are very important. And that's why they, they, uh, you struggle with names. My name is James Daniel Smith. Very common. I've fought the common name problem all of my life, which is why we gave our two children unusual first names. I didn't want them to fight the same issues that I, I had gone through. Um, and I've always gone by my middle name, Daniel or Dan, which means uh, God is my judge. And I love that because it reminds me that nobody else is my judge. God is my judge. Therefore, it's the Lord who is the one that I want to be pleased with my life. Is that true for you? Say amen if it is. um, I'm here to exalt a sovereign God this morning. Who's with me? I'm here to ask you, even in this message, to magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I'm also here to help, hopefully, enlarge your faith in a preeminent, transcendent God who does all things well. Everything that has been sung in this service up to this point has pointed to this message, and I hope you will keep your hearts open. I've also come prayerfully this morning that when you leave here today, your understanding of God will be grander and greater and larger than it was when you walked in the door because truly our God is great and he is greatly to be praised. When we say the Lord's Prayer, as the board did in a meeting that they had this week, we ended a a meeting by saying the Lord's Prayer together. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we start by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, and what is the next line? Hallowed Hallowed be thy name. Dr. Marty has given various sermon series on a Wednesday night, wonderfully well, on the subject of the names of God. Many of you, I know, because you, you've told me, have done your own personal study or your own personal research on the names of God. If you have not done so, I highly recommend that very interesting study. As believers, it's important that we know the names of God in order to recognize the truth and to refute and resist falsehoods. It's important that we as believers, as the body of Christ, know His names simply because the world in which we live today has become prolific in demeaning His name and diminishing His name and sometimes going so far as disfiguring His name. But you know what, church? There are great consequences when a nation or when an entire society does not know His name, misuses His name, or does not understand the true nature of His name. And to point to that, I, I, I mention Isaiah 52, verses 5 and 6, where the prophet tells us this, what is this, asked the Lord, why are my people enslaved again? Those who rule them shout in exaltation, my, my name is blasphemed all day long, but I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know its power, and then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. We need to know his name, Bethesda. We need to know his name, Bethesda. And we need to know that he is the one who is speaking to us. Now, the Bible has many names for God in Scripture. I know you know that. And I'm going to give you many of them right now. And you're going to help me preach this sermon. In fact, I want this to be interactive, and I'm going to be okay if you talk back to me through this because I want us all to be uh, edified in this. So here's what I want you to do. If you are a believer and you have been regenerated by the power of God, then I believe there's something within you, there is life within you, and there's a fire burning in you. If that's true of you, say amen. Amen. I also believe that when the body of Christ comes together and we worship as we do, that that there is something within us that is almost explosive when the name of Jesus is exalted and when God is lifted up. Is that true for you? Say amen. amen. Then as I read these names this morning, and I don't want you to be bashful about it, if something that I have read... If one of these names resonates with you or happens to have particular value in you, I want you to, as I say the name, I want you to not be bashful and to shout out loud from the back of the balcony to the to the front row here this morning. If one of these names resonates with you, I want you to shout out, that's my God. Let's practice together. Say it. All right. Names of God in the old covenant: God Almighty, God in the highest. Lord, Master, the Lord, my banner, the Lord, my shepherd, the Lord, my healer. I've got more than that. I've got a lot more than that. If something about any of these names resonates with your journey with the Lord, I want you to shout something. Shout whatever you want to shout. I just want us in the next two minutes to exalt the name of the Lord and lift high his name. For he is the great I am. The Lord is here, the Lord my justice, the Lord eternal, the Lord my deliverer, the Lord my provider, he is my redeemer and my king, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of peace, the creator, my father. Come on, put your hands together and say, I love his name. But there's more. There's names of Jesus in the new covenant, I do not claim this to be an exhaustive list, but He is almighty, our advocate to the Father, hallelujah, the author and finisher of our faith, the bread of life, the beloved Son. He's the groom, the cornerstone, the deliverer, the good shepherd, the head of the church, the holy servant, the I am, the eternal God with us. The indescribable gift. Oh, is that you? The judge of all things. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Don't give up now. He's the lamb of God. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lord of all, the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lord, the resurrected one. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. He's our rock and our prophet. He's our high priest. Bless His name. He's our Redeemer. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of the Most High God. He's the Supreme Creator of all things. He's the door. He's the way. He's the Word. He's the truth. He's the life. He is your victory. He's our wonderful Counselor, Almighty God. He's the Prince of Peace who has known His peace in this house today. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the only way to God. He is our soon coming King. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's the only one worthy of your praise in this house today. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Blessed be His name. I want those of you who are still seated to stand with us. I want to say this. That when our beloved cowboys, bless them, are winning back in 19, whenever it was, we Texans know how to shout. In fact, we get quite foolish when we are watching those, the boys win. Now, I happen to know the fine folks in France went absolutely ballistic recently when their team won the World Cup. Guess what, people? As humans, we know how to shout. God has placed within us the ability to know how to shout. But the Scripture says to us, shout unto God with the voice of triumph." I want you to take the next 20 seconds and lift up your highest praise and shout unto God his greatness. Do it right now. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. For great is the Lord, and he's greatly to be praised. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Hallelujah! 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Blessed be his name. Hallowed be his name. And the church said, Amen. Please be seated. And let me rest for just one second. This old grandpa is getting tired. Bethesda, in the Scripture, God reveals His nature to us through His names. That's what you were just hearing was His nature. To fully understand the importance of God's names in Scripture, we must first grasp the significance of names in ancient culture. Names were extremely important in biblical times, so much so that often God would, and you know this, God Himself would change someone's name, typically to reflect something that He was doing in their life. We see this clearly in Abraham's life. In Genesis 17, his name was Abram, which means exalted or elevated father. That name was referencing his wealth, his, um, his human success, his influence, his, his material possessions. But God changes his name to Abraham, meaning father of a multitude, reflecting his calling to a, a spiritual heritage, an eternal and spiritual impact through his life. In Genesis 32, God called a man by the name of Jacob, whose name literally meant conniver, conniver supplanter, the deceiver, the schemer. But when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, he received a new name, and God then said to him, I'm going to call you Israel. You'll be called one who overcomes as a prince with God." And I want to say to you this morning, no matter where you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter your background, what your past has been, no matter your name may have been loser, it may have been failure, your name may have been addict, your name may have been convict or liar or cheater, but in Christ Jesus, you have a new name. He's calling you a son or a daughter, a prince or a princess in Christ. Same thing happened with Peter in John chapter 1, verse 42. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon bar Jonah, or Simon, the, the son of Jodah. Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And it is translated as, You shall be called the rock. You shall be called the stone. Now, understand this. Simon, the son of, he is, he is referred to as the son of, and he's referencing his past his family background, his, his human limitations. His, his, uh, we're talking about Peter the impulsive, the fickle, the, the unreliable, the choleric. We're talking about Peter the, the, the man of disappointment, the disappointing man, the, the failure, the emotional, the fragile, the unstable one. But guess what Jesus called him? When Jesus looked at him and gave him a new name, that new name was you will be called the rock. So the question to you and me this morning is this. Are you ready to discover His names that He would change your name? Because no matter how long you have served the Lord, I've served the Lord a long, long time, He wants to reveal His name in an ever-deepening way because He takes us from glory to glory, from grace to grace, and from revelation to revelation. It is an ongoing process in the life of the believer. Say amen to that this morning. Now, when Moses, when God asked Moses to lead his people out of bondage, he gave him a fresh revelation of one of his names uh, for the purposes of strengthening him and equipping him. Exodus chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say that with me. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This should remind you and me of something this morning, that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you have walked in the building with today, he is the I am. He's not the I was, he's not the I once was, he's not the I may be one day, he's not the I'm not anymore, he's not the I may be again someday, he's not the I have been to others, or to someone else, or somewhere else, no. He is the I am for you today, church. What you need him to be, he says, I am the Lord your God, and the church should say hallelujah to that today. We're talking about the name. Hallowed be thy name. If you're taking notes, this is an important thing for you to write down. And I want you to listen carefully. The conquest in his name will be commensurate to the measure of your communion with his name. Let me say it again because I'm going to unpack this in the next few minutes. The conquest in his name will be commensurate to the measure of your communion with with his name. What does that mean? It means these names of God that we have said this morning will mean nothing to you without the communion with God. If you're new in the building today and wondering why we just went crazy a minute ago, it's because those names have value to us. They mean something to us. It means that we have walked enough of life's journey to experience that nature of God in our lives. Is that true, church? Well, let me say it another way because I need to look at it from the other angle. Nomenclature does not equal substance. Nomenclature does not equal substance. The name alone means nothing without understanding the value and the worth of the substance behind that name. What does that mean? Well, sometimes, we've all seen it, parents will name their child after someone famous, possibly hoping that Somehow that child will magically uh, obtain the skill or the talent of that famous person. I did a little snoop around on the internet on this subject, and I found names like this. Michael Jordan Joseph. I'm assuming they want him to play basketball. What do you think? Bill Gates Johnson is a real name. Parents have named their child. They must want him to be rich. Bono U2 Stevenson was another one I found. And Celine Dion Smith, they want her to sing really well. But let's understand that the name alone does not produce the nature. Claiming the name does not produce character. The heritage of a name will not automatically reproduce its history. The testimony of the name yesterday does not guarantee triumph today. You may say, well, well, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm a Christian. My, my family's all been Christian. My parents, my grandparents, they raised me in church. This is my religion. This is my background. But I want you to understand it is your personal communion which then becomes your character which influences your conduct. Let me give you that again. I'll whip that out on you pretty quickly. It is your communion. With God, which becomes your character and influences your conduct. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And that is what will give credibility to the name of Christ over your life. So church, it is a choice for you and for me every day of our lives. Will I hallow his name? Will I honor his name? Will I represent his name? Or will I speak and live his name in vain. The choice is ours. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, how shall we pray? You know that he said like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word in the Greek is hagiadzo, hagiadzo. It means elevated, uh, hallowed means elevated be your name. His name is to be set apart which reminds us of the word holy. In fact, this Greek word comes from the same root word as does the word holy. To elevate to the measure of his, hallow his name, to elevate to the measure of his holiness. His name is to be honored. His name is to be respected. His name is to be reverenced. His name is not to be lumped in with others of earthly stature. There are plenty of people on this earth that we should honor, but he is the one who is set apart. He is the one who is holy. His name is to be set apart, hallowed. I'm pretty sure when Stephen Evans meets with presidents and prime ministers and all the leaders of Central American nations that he meets with, I'm pretty sure Stephen doesn't walk in and say, hey, dude. If he does, we need to have a talk, Stephen. I bet he doesn't walk in and say, hey, what's up, Bubba? No, 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 no. Stephen knows better than that. Not to a president or prime minister. You ascribe honor to their name. How much more should we then honor the name of the Lord? How much more should we hallow the name of the Lord? Now, you know the Ten Commandments. The third of those found in Exodus chapter 20 is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. But I want to propose to you, I I, I want to dig a little deeper with that understanding. It's a phrase that if you grew up in church, you heard it all your life. Don't take the name of the Lord. What does that mean? I think it's much deeper than what we have taken it to mean on the surface or what we might have understood. Now remember, this is in the Ten Commandments. Right up there in line with thou shalt not kill or steal or lie. or Thou shalt not commit adultery or, or, or idolatry. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It is much deeper than if you just say something, that, uh, saying God, taking God's name in vain which you, when you hit your thumb with a hammer. It's more than that. It has to do with using God's name in a way that is inconsistent with who He is, inconsistent with His personality, inconsistent with His character. To take the name of the Lord in vain, it's a stripping away of the value which belongs only to His name. It's like a false signature to his name, a non-authorized use of his name. And it's, to take his name in vain is like calling on the privileges and benefits of his name without the relationship of true communion with his name. Now most of you know I've been involved in uh, print music, choral music for over three decades, for a long time already told you my name, how plain and boring and simple and common my name is. And when it time, came time many years ago for me to fi- uh, sign my first contract with a publisher, they said, now, you know, we, we, there's this phrase, the, your, the name and likeness and all the stuff that's in the contract. They said, so what name do you want to use? I said, uh, uh, Dan Smith. And they said, really? I said, They said, it's a little plain, a little common. I said, no, tell me about it. <laughs> so... <clears throat> I said we got to do something to your name. I said okay. uh, Like what? I said what's your what's your full name? I said my name's James Daniel Smith. Have you ever gone by James? No, that's even more common. Okay. Uh, I said why don't we why don't we do J Daniel Smith? I said, sounds fine with me, and that's how that came about. I said, we have to do something when we put your name in print that has at least some bit of distinction to it that separates you from all of the other Dan Smiths in the world. I said, okay, let's do that. By the way, at one time here in in the city where we live, Becky and I lived on a street for 23 years. There were three Dan Smiths on our street. (laughs) One of them was Daniel J. Smith. I got a hold of the mailman. I said, look, dude, don't mess this up. So, that was, that was the deal. Well, what happened was this. <clears throat> Anybody who knew me, nobody called me, went by James, or nobody called me Jay. Everybody knows I'm Dan. I've always been Dan to everybody. So, uh, it was interesting to see when um, a secretary or a, one of my admins would, would walk into the office and say, um, there's this person on the phone. He's a minister of music. He's looking for some of your music and he's trying to get it for free from you. He doesn't want to go to the publisher and pay for it. And he says, yeah, me and Jay are really close buddies. <laughs> me and Jay talked at this certain, you know, music conference. And me and Jay, he told me anytime I needed something, just to call him and let him know. I told them, I said, anytime somebody tells you that them and Jay, that they and Jay are really close buddies, they are, call them a liar because that's exactly what they are. It's not true. That's not true. Nobody goes, nobody goes it was the first clue that, that they didn't really know me. So what was that guy doing? He was trying to use my name without the relationship, without the communion, and without the authority. That is what it means to take the name of the Lord God in vain. Psalm 86 says this, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear or to honor your name. What a prayer it is to say, Lord, bring, bring my heart to a place of never, never living your name in vain, never speaking it in vain or causing it to be in vain in someone's life because of, of my testimony. I, Lord, I want, to, I want to, my life to hallow your name. I want my testimony, my words, my character to hallow your name. Hallowed be your name in my life. Now, folks, I'm just now getting to my text. That's not a good sign. And there is a clock up there. Hello, hello clock. The text is Genesis 1-1. It's the very first verse of the Bible because it gives us the first name of God. I want to look at it for just a minute. Please give me just a moment to unpack this. In the beginning, God, Elohim, that is the Hebrew use of God in that, in that very first word, very, very first verse. In the beginning, God, Elohim. And by the way, Elohim is plural and not singular. Amen. You, uh, OK, let those who have ears. It is plural. So from the very entrance of the name of God, we understand there is a Father, a son and a Holy Spirit. It is plural. It's the plural form of Eloah. In the beginning, God, Elohim. Now, this does not make it a hint of polytheism. Rather, it is a plural of majesty. So we learn together right from the get go that the name of God is Elohim. What does that mean? That means preeminent, or it means the transcendent one. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Thirty-five times I counted. At the start of Scripture, the only name used for God from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3 is Elohim. Now other names come later with what we call in Scripture the progressive revelation. But first impressions, or what theologians often refer to as the law of first use, meaning the first time you see it in Scripture, It's, it's first application. First impressions are extremely important in Scripture. And God introduces Himself to creation as Elohim. Say that word with me. The preeminent one. The transcendent one. And I have three quick quick points. Quick is a relative term. He is transcendent over His creation. Why is that important? Simply because He wants us to recognize that He is distinct from creation. He is surpassing creation creation. God is not amalgamated with his creation. No, no, no. He transcends his creation. He is not a river. He is not a moon. He's not a tree. He's not a sun. He's not a rock. He's not a butterfly. He's not an animal, nor is he any other created thing. He is Elohim, the all-powerful creator, who is unique in his worthiness to be praised and worshiped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Understanding that God transcends His creation is extremely important because other religions will worship created things like animals or trees or butterflies. Animism and polytheism and Hinduism will often multiply gods, as many of you know, and elevate created things to the place of deity. But it should be noted that those religions will always have a very diminished, diminutive regard or respect for the value of human life, if any value at all. You can go to parts of India, you can go to Nepal, and you can see hundreds of thousands of people with no water, no electricity, rampant disease, living in horrific conditions. But yet, in those conditions, they will still observe dog worship day and put necklaces of pearls around the necks of of dogs. Christianity, as truly preached, honors God as creator and human life as sacred life in the womb and life outside the womb. why that's because every human being is created in the image of an almighty God amen to that that's true no matter where they live in the world that's true no matter the color of their skin that's true no matter what culture they come from it's true no matter what regime they are under That is why Christians are the strongest mercy, compassion-driven missions forces on the planet. It's why we unashamedly ask you every month to give an offering, something additional above your tithes to help us in missions efforts, either around the world or what we're doing locally through our benevolence ministries. Because the people for whom Christ died are created in God's image. And that's true whether they're in Haiti, Bangladesh, Malawi, El Salvador, Honduras, or Fort Worth. They are precious in His sight and precious to our God they are made in His image. He's the creator. He transcends creation. He's the preeminent one. He's the transcendent one. Elohim transcends time. He's the preeminent God over time, in the beginning God. Another reason why He introduced Himself At the very beginning of Scripture, as Elohim is to remind us that God is set apart from the limitations and restraints of time. Because if God created time, then God preceded time. Because He could not have created something that already existed. When you and I discuss the concept of time, we do it in a chronological or a linear way. And we cannot reduce God, Elohim, to our limited understanding of time because God exists outside of time. It is called the preeminence, the transcendence, the preexistence of God. The only thing we have in our comprehension is that, is that outside, of time, outside of time is what we, little we know about eternity God lives outside of our time. God lives in eternity. He transcends time. You and I are restrained by time, but God is timeless. And the Scripture presents and always refers to God in the present. I find this so interesting. You see, you and I have yesterdays. You and I have tomorrows. But God doesn't have a yesterday. God doesn't have a tomorrow because he is the ever-present God. God is always the right now God. We, when we get to heaven now, in our resurrected and glorified bodies, we will also transcend the limitations and the deterioration caused by time. Don't look at anybody when we're talking about deteriorating bodies. Just look straight ahead right here at me. In heaven, we will know what it is to have no aging, No sorrow, no loss, and thank God, no deterioration. And everything in him will be in the now. Not the yesterday, not the tomorrow. So what does all this have to do with you and me? I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you. It means that God for you is the right now God. Somebody needs to hear that today. That means he's never late. God never runs out of time. Your schedule may have indicated so, but God's has not. God is never behind schedule. God never forgets a time. He never forgets a promise to you. Elohim never longs for the past or the good old days. No, 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 no. He never says, maybe in the future. He never says, I'm out of time. Elohim never wastes time. You may say, in my life right now, I'm in such a mess I don't know what's going on. It seems like nothing is happening in this long season of time that I'm in. God, what are you doing? Let me tell you what He's doing. He's doing His work within you, dear child. He's doing something inside of you because He does not waste time. Hallelujah. When you grasp this picture of Elohim, it will renew within you a trust and a confidence in this Almighty God we speak of today. He's the beginning, He's the end. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha, the Omega, and He will do all things well in His time. Hallowed be His name. He's Elohim, the preeminent. He transcends creation. He transcends time. And I want you to know He transcends space. He created the heavens and the earth, but before God created mankind, He created a a location, the space, in which mankind would exist. Now, you and I only know about and experience the heavens and the earth. That's all we see. We don't comprehend anything outside or beyond the heavens and the earth because we exist in this space that we know. And yet, God existed when this space was not. Are you still awake with me this morning? He was and is preeminent. He transcends not only creation and time, He transcends space. He is not limited by time and space like we are. God operates in a completely different realm, which is precisely why you and I should never limit God. We never limit God. We shouldn't limit Him to our comprehension, to our measure. To only that which you and I can see, which we can hear, what we can taste, what we can smell, what we can touch. God has all things under control and he is doing things in the invisible that you and I cannot even fathom. I believe in the supernatural Do you this morning. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. His wisdom is beyond our wisdom. Because, church, listen to me, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I want you to see that in a different light today. The weapons of our warfare, they're not flesh and blood. They are not that which we can see. They are not that which we can touch, What we can put our hands on. They are not tangible to us. They are not carnal. No, but we call upon an invisible God who transcends everything we see and know in this invisible world. Therefore, no weapon formed against you can prosper because our sovereign God is in control. He is not limited by space. The prophet Jeremiah in his 23rd chapter said, Am I... Speaking for the Lord, am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and earth, says the Lord? Our God, our Elohim, He's preeminent. He's imminent. He's omnipresent and He is everywhere. I want to start to bring this to a close start to bring it to a close with a very well-known psalm psalm 139 verse 5 you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me verse 7 where can i go from your spirit or where can i flee from your presence if i ascend into heaven you're there if i make my bed in hell behold you are there If i take the wings of the morning and i dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me if i say surely the darkness shall fall on me even the night shall be light about me indeed the darkness shall not hide from you but the night shines as the day the darkness and the light are both alike to you he's an ever-present god Bethesda not only is he there with you but as we've just read his hand is holding you Those of you who feel today like you are falling apart, you're not sure how you're going to make it even through the week. His hand is holding you. You may not see him today, you may not feel him today. To your senses, it may not be available, but I want you to know his hand is holding you. Elohim is ever present, even when I say that I'm too far. Even when I think I've gone way beyond the limits and that I've gone too far. For God goes to the low and to the high. He goes to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. And the psalmist says, with my God, I can never say that I am too far. I've blown it too bad. You can never say, dear one, that your son has gone too far. You can never say your daughter is too far. Because God is there wherever they are. I can't even say that I'm hidden in darkness because there is no darkness in God. There's no public versus private. There's no secret or no hidden. When you hollow his name and recognize him as Elohim, there is no space in your life that he is not present. He is there. Somebody ought to say, bless his name. I know I talked about it when it happened just a few weeks ago, but there was another clip uh, sometime yesterday. Um, about those young men, those, that soccer team who were trapped in that cave in Thailand. I looked at that one more time and I saw that image the first time a, a rescuer came in and shined a light that looked like it was dark in there. And there they were, those, those young men huddled in there with whatever. Do you know what? In the midst of the darkness of that cave, God was there. There is no place he cannot go. To the highest mountaintop, to the lowest valley, he is there. And He is there no matter where you are, where even if you think you are hidden from Him today, He is there. I think about in our own fellowship, and he may be in the house this morning, Professor Jim Elkins, who not too long ago was, was uh, leaving uh, Dallas Baptist University, having ta- teach, uh, taught a class, and he suffered cardiac arrest, and, there, and was in the hospital for like eight days, completely in a coma. I want you to know, in that moment, God was there. He did not leave him. He did not forsake him. He was there every moment of those eight long days that Marta had to stand there and wonder if he was ever going to pull through when the brave waves looked smaller and smaller and smaller. And the the neurologist came in and said, I don't know how well this is going to go. But I want you to know that same God is the one who is with Jim Elkins today because he's healthy and whole because the mighty power of God. He is there. He was there with Aaron Reeves when they said to him, you know what, buddy, it's cancer, it's multiple myeloma. He was there as Aaron has walked through every step of the treatment, and it's not been pretty and it's not been fun. We've walked closely with him and monitored closely what's taking place, and many of you have too. He's one of the most beloved men of this fellowship. But I want you to know that same God that was there is the same God when he got the news that he is completely in remission. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is there. He's Elohim, the preeminent one. He transcends creation. He transcends time. He transcends space. Elohim is defined as the creator. The term creator is only used in scripture for God, it's never used for man or woman. Because you know what? You and I think we create. I think. I've done music arrangements. Some of you think you've created poetry or sculptures or, or whatever is considered creative. You may think, but you know what? The best we can do is reconfigure things. The best we can do is recalibrate things. The best we can do is reform things. We're not the creator. Elohim is the creator. Because man cannot create something out of nothing. I've never done it. Have you? Create something out of nothing. There's a word for that. It's called ex nihilo. Ex nihilo. It means created out of nothing. Man cannot create from nothing. Only God has the capacity to create from ex nihilo. That's why God is quite prompt in confronting those who are walking with him, and yet they're doubting his power. If that's you today, then listen up carefully. Listen to what happened when he confronted Abraham. Abraham was saying, oh, no, 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 no. I'm too old. I'm way, I'm way, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, have you seen this deteriorating body? I'm way past the, and Sarah, have you looked at Sarah? We're way too old. And what did God say? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I am Elohim. I'm the creator. From ex nihilo, I created everything. And what did he say to Mary when the angel visited her? And she said, how can these things be? How can it be possible? This is not possible. And God said, is there anything impossible for God? Church, we serve the God of the impossible. I don't care what you're facing today. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how difficult and impossible it seems to you. He is Elohim. He transcends time, space, creation. He can do anything. Hallelujah. And, and all he needs is himself. If you and I try to create, we need other elements. I, I, I need someone to write a song for me to arrange. You need, you, need, uh, other, you need clay to make your sculpture. You need words to write your poet. You need something else. Can I tell you that our creative God, all he needs is himself. He needs nothing else. There are no other elements needed. All he needs is himself, and all you and I need is faith in him. Because, church, he can create love where there is no love in a marriage. He can create ex nihilo. He can create a peaceful family when all you have today is chaos in your home. He can create a future when all you have is ex nihilo or a horrible past. He can create a heart of flesh when all you have is a heart of stone. Somebody ought to be shouting right now, I'm telling your story. He created you and me out of nothing and then he breathed Life, the breath of life into us and gave us life. And he did it all by himself. He needed nothing to do that. Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord. Final thought. Francis Collins is a Nobel Peace Prize winning Christian who is a physician geneticist. He calls the theory of evolution the insane equation. The evolution theory goes like this, if you really think about it. Nobody plus nothing equals everything. Nobody plus nothing equals everything. But guess what, church? Watches have watchmakers. Paintings have painters. Designs have designers. And this creation has a creator. Elohim is the creator of all things from ex nihilo. 1997, when the Hubble telescope took flight, it gave us a glimpse of places we've never been before. I just want you to see before we close today, I want you to see how great our God is. I really want you to see it. Brent, you better get ready. I'm about to take off here in a second. (laughs) 1997, when the Hubble telescope took flight, it gave us a glimpse of places we have never seen before. Listen carefully. We discovered a staggering number of galaxies beyond our own. (laughs) Our tiny earth is just one puny little planet in one puny little galaxy. Our Milky Way galaxy is just a small disk-shaped spiral. Scientists now believe that each of the 200 billion galaxies have up to 100 billion stars in each of them. Listen, church, he's Elohim. He transcended over space. Hallowed be his name. Just this past March was the funeral of astrophysicist Stephen Hawking. I'm sure you heard about it. They sent a message into space with a synthesized track of his voice to the nearest black hole. Don't ask me how they did that. I don't know. But it's located 3,500 light years from this earth. And they tell us that the message should get there in about five to 600 years. But I want to let you know something. We're talking about Elohim today because when you send a message to heaven, when you send a message to Elohim, it gets to him right now because he's the right now God and he is more than able to answer you in an instant because he's the right now God. He created everything we see, everything we feel, everything we smell, hear, and taste. And he can create what you need, dear friend, in your heart, in your your life right now, this very moment. He can create it in you. He can create it in your home, in your family, in your children, in your future, and in your marriage. And that's because he's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. He is Elohim. Hallowed be his name. Would you say that with me this morning? Hallowed be your name. Come on, say it one more time. One more time. Hallowed be your, stand to your feet with me this morning. I'm in overtime, I'm sorry. But I just had to have a minute to talk about how great God is. How great God is. Everything about this service today has been to say how great God is.